Good to see all of you. How are you doing? How's everybody? Fantastic. Very good. So I'm really excited about what I'm going to share with you. And you may say, Shani, you say that every time you come up on a Sunday morning. But you must be excited every time you share God's word. Every time we listen to God's word, we must be excited because God speaks to us fresh, new things to bless us. How many of you get excited when you come to the dinner table or to the lunch table? What's mom cooked? You know? And uh, especially if a mom's a good cook, you know, you get excited. And so much more when we come to the table of the Lord. The Lord feeds his children well. He leads me and you to green pastures. Amen? So I'm really excited about what I'm going to share with you. Because I'm going to share with you from the life of one of my favorite characters from the Bible. But before I do so, I'm going to request you to take a few seconds, a few moments, and to pray for somebody next to you that the Lord would bless them, the Lord would speak to them, and reveal himself to them. Can you do that, please? And then I will pray with you. Come on. Father, we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. We come before your throne of grace with great expectation. We're hungry for you, Lord. We long for you, Lord. We love your word. We love it when you give us understanding of your word. We are grateful, God, that you are here to open our minds to things that we haven't seen before. And Lord, we are also open to reminders that you would bring lovingly, God, to stir our hearts further to loving you more, to pursuing the things of your kingdom, to pursuing a life that is pleasing in your sight, O oh God. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you gave your only son, Jesus, so that we could have this abundant life. Lord, this life to know you, to enjoy you, to experience your tangible, intimate presence every moment of our lives, oh God. And we thank you once again that you've reminded us today that all your promises are yes and amen. So come, Holy Spirit of God. Let Jesus become real to us now as we read your word, as we listen to your word. We want to hear him. We want to see him. So help us, Holy Spirit. Awaken our hearts, God, to, the, to your word, oh God. Awaken our hearts to worshiping you as we hear your voice. We come at this time into your hands. I pray for every brother, sister, friend of mine over here, that you would bless them this morning, that you would touch them this morning, that even as your word comes, it would come in the power of your spirit. It would just break bondages and strongholds that are not of you, God, and we would be able to receive the yoke that is light and your burden that is easy. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. And we commit this time into your hands. In the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. And the people shout out. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read a quote from a book. And I want you to pay attention because it's not on the screen. And this quote has been written in a poetic form. So I want you to pay attention so that you don't miss out on the beauty of what I'm going to read out to you. The almighty living God turned to Gabriel and gave a command. Go take these two portions of my being. There are two destinies waiting. To each unborn destiny, give one portion of myself. Carrying two glowing, pulsating lights of life, Gabriel opened the door into the realm between the two universes and disappeared. He had stepped into the mall of unborn destinies. Gabriel spoke, 
I have here two portions of the nature of God. The first is the very cloth of his nature. When wrapped about you, it clothes you with the breath of God. As water surrounds the person in the sea, so will his very breath envelop you. With this, the divine breath, you will have his power. Power to subdue armies, shame the enemies of God, and accomplish his work on the earth. Here is the power of God as a gift. Here is immersion into the spirit. A destiny step forward. This portion of God is for me, he said. True, replied the angel Gabriel. And remember, whoever receives such a great portion of power will surely be known by many. Ere your earthly pilgrimage is done, your true character will be known. Ye, it will be revealed by means of this power. Such is the destiny of all who want and wield this portion, for it touches only the outer person, affecting the inner person, not one wilt. Outer power will always unveil, unveil the inner resources or the lack thereof. The first destiny destined one received the gift and stepped back. The angel Gabriel spoke again. I have here the second of two elements of the living God, he said. This is not a gift, but an inheritance. A gift is worn on the outer person. An inheritance is planted deep inside, like a seed. Yet, even though it is such a small planting, this planting grows and in time fills all the inner person. Another destiny stepped forward and said, I believe this element is to be mine for my earthly pilgrimage. True, responded the angel again. I must tell you that what has been given to you is a glorious thing. The only element in the universe that can change the human heart. Yet, even this element of God cannot accomplish its task nor grow and fill your entire inner being unless it is compounded well. It must be mixed lavishly with pain, sorrow, and crushing. The second destined one received the inheritance and stepped back. Beside Angel Gabriel sat the angel recorder. He dutifully entered into his ledger the record of these two destinies. Curiously, he asked, and who shall these destinies become after they grow, go through the door to the visible universe? Asked the recorder. Gabriel replied softly, each in his time shall be a king. This morning, I want to speak to you about the tale of two kings. One is my favorite. King Saul and King David. If you're familiar with the story, 
you will find that both these kings had some very important things in common. Like, both the kings were individually, uniquely chosen by God. Secondly, both were anointed by the same prophet of God, Samuel. Thirdly, both received unique opportunities to leave a rich legacy behind them. Number four, both were humble at the start. Number five, both were brave. Number six, both made some very wrong choices. Very grievous sins. Yet, one was rejected. One was blessed. Why? As we trace and compare the histories of these two men, these two kings, we will probably see their character reflect in many people around us, especially many leaders around us, for we are quick to judge. But importantly, we will see the traits of their characters in us. There are few characters in the Bible more tragic than Saul. He could have hardly had a better beginning or a more miserable end. He began with the blessing and the power of God. He ended up seeking help from a witch the day before he and his three sons were killed in the battle against the Philistines. My dear brothers and sisters, last Sunday I spoke to you about leaving an impact and a legacy that will far outlive your lives. Today, Saul has died, but King David lives. In the New Testament, the name of King David occurs almost 60 times. In fact, apart from Jesus, his is the first name in the Gospel of Matthew and the last name in the book of Revelation. King Saul is not once mentioned. The Apostle Paul came from the same tribe of King Saul, the tribe of Benjamin. And upon his conversion, one of the first things that King Saul, what that Saul the Apostle did was change his name to Paul. In Israel, till today, people sing, David, Melech, Israel, Shai, Shai, meaning David, king of Israel, is alive, is alive. David lives also in the Psalms he wrote, which we sing, sung in a multitude of languages throughout the world. In all these ways, David lives, but above all, God promised him a throne that would endure forever. That throne is now the throne of our Messiah who came to give us eternal life. My dear brothers and sisters, I place before you this question today in the fear of God. What was the difference between King Saul and King David? Two destinies 
both gifted by God, but ended up with completely two different results. Come with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 51. We're going to read from verse 1. The book of Psalms, chapter 51, from verse 1. A redeemed sinner never hesitates to confess his sin. To the choir master wrote King David, a psalm of David. When Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 3. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. That's it. Have you ever seen a leader fall from a high position? Or have you ever heard of a leader fall from a high position? Be slow to speak. Forget not your frailty. King David did. By witnessing what happened to King Saul, he saw firsthand what would occur if God would no longer approve and endorse a man. In Psalm 51 that we read, David is repenting over a massive sin that he committed with Bathsheba that was coupled by murder. Just like King Saul, King David rebelled against God at specific times in his life. But the Holy Spirit's anointing however left King Saul, but it continued to remain on King David. Why was one able to recover from rebellion while the other couldn't? What's the difference? The primary difference, my dear brothers and sisters, we will see between the two kings is in their response, 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 in their response when they are confronted by their sin. And that response, as it were, brought forth two separate destinies. But you know what? What affects the response? Why should responses differ? And so we will need to go a few layers beneath the surface of a place called the heart. And I present before you three primary things that I believe affects the way we respond when we are confronted by God or by His people with respect to our sin. In other words, what makes it difficult for one to repent? Or rather, with respect to King Saul, what made it difficult for him to repent? And what made it seemingly easier for King David to repent. I want us to go down a few layers. And I want to request you to please journey with me this morning. Would you just turn to somebody next to you? 
smile at them and say, please listen carefully. The first. You see, King Saul was concerned about the externals. And King David was concerned only about one thing. His heart. You see, the, the, the moment we get concerned for something apart from our heart, we're divided. So King Saul had many things that he got concerned about. But David was concerned only about one thing. One thing. The heart. His heart. How do we know that? You see, Worse after worse, you find him emphasizing in the book of Psalms that how much he paid attention, that his heart was educated, tutored, mentored, guarded, cleansed, rebuked. For he understood, I believe, not recorded in the word, but I believe, he was tutored by the man who anointed him. For that man himself was rebuked by the Lord as he stood before the sons of Jesse. And as he stood before the first one, Eliab, a big man, well built. And he spoke in his heart and said, surely this is the man that the Lord has chosen. And the Lord at that very moment rebuked the prophet and told him, Samuel, man looks at the outward. But God, I look at the heart. Samuel would never forget that rebuke to the extent that he would communicate that truth to young David. And help him see that David, your predecessor, has lost his place and his anointing and his call. For he was concerned about the externals. My son, follow not in his footsteps. You need to be concerned only about one thing. Your heart. For if your heart is in the right place and directed in the right direction, everything else that one would ever need to be concerned about will fall in line. So King David would write in the book of Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Book of Psalms 139. Verse 23 and verse 24. And I want to request all of us to please read it together. Please. A beautiful prayer. From the sweet psalmist of Israel. Would you pray this right now with me loud and clear? Come on. One, two, three. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Verse 24. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Another translation uses the word. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. My dear brothers and sisters. Not much has to be said at this point. It is easy to repent. It's easy, easier to walk with God 
when you and I have only one priority in our life. Our heart before God. And I want to assure you on the basis of God's word that nothing else matters. Nothing. For if God approves of the condition of your heart, if you would withstand an enemy of a thousand armies, they would fail and you will stand. For God is always on the side of the one who has set his heart to seek him. So my brother, my sister, myself, let us be concerned about only one thing, our heart. For if this gets corrupted, then your destiny will get corrupted. King Saul find it difficult to repent because his heart was not his priority. His priority was the externals. King David found it easier. Just it required one statement from Nathan. One line after having helped him understand a story of how a man caused severe injustice to another poor man. After having explained the story, Nathan appeals to King David's sense of justice. And rightfully, King David pronounces that man should be punished. Nathan points his finger at him and says, you are that man. And the first words that came out of the mouth of David changed his destiny for the good forever. I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan's immediate response, the Lord has taken away your sin. Oh, how merciful is our God. The second. King David repented and followed God. King Saul turned and never came back. Both committed serious sins. And if you would personally ask me, I think David's was worse. When Saul disobeyed the Lord's command, the prophet Samuel goes to confront Saul in his sin. And rather than owning up, I want you to pay attention to what I say now. Rather than owning up to his sin, Saul does a deadly thing. You know, my beloved brothers and sisters, what is that deadly thing? Justification. Excuses. And it's all topped up with the fresh cream of lies. But, 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 
but, but. And the prophet Samuel, one response was this. The Lord has rejected you from being king. If only Saul would have simply said what David would say some years later. I have sinned. First Samuel 15, 15. You see, we, a person who is unwilling to repent will prepare a narrative of justification weaved with excuses and lies. Saul said the command was to destroy the Amalekites, which were an evil race. I don't want to get into the theology of it right now, the history of it. There's no time for it. Why God would ask his servant would do such a, such a difficult thing. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. The command was clear, spare nothing. Spare nothing. And when confronted, Saul begins to argue that, well, I have made room for sacrificing to God. And here's what I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters. This is kind of fine. So try to come with me. Let's not walk with God with an attitude of sacrifice. Let's walk with God with an attitude of obedience. Because human beings religiously religiously, can do a lot of sacrifices, yet not obey. But a one who is obedient will always sacrifice. But his purpose is not sacrifice, his purpose is obedience. Does it make sense? So let us not try to walk with God, God, oh God, I've done so much for you. God, I'm, I'm doing stuff for you. No. What God has done for us is immeasurably, infinitely so much more. No one can ever match with that. No one does a favor on God. Shannon never did a favor on God. God had favor on Shannon. Shannon, God didn't owe Shannon anything. Nothing. But still, God demonstrated his love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So let's not walk with God with an attitude of sacrifice. But rather with an attitude of obedience. Years ago, I was gifted a Bible in the NASB. And I wrote a prayer on it on the first page. Every time I would open my Bible, I would, it would hit me on my face. This is the first page, you have a blank page before you go into the index. And it's something of this. Only thy will, Lord. Nothing more. Nothing less. Nothing else. Only thy will, Lord. Nothing more. Nothing less. Nothing else. The greatest gift you can give yourself and myself is to simply obey God. And in pride, King Saul argued. Yes, he did. He argued with the prophet. My sin is not such a big deal as you make it, Samuel. Samuel had to respond, paraphrase. That's precisely the problem, Saul. You don't see the way 
God says. Therefore, you're disqualified. First Samuel 16, 1. Just look at a few verses. First Samuel 16, 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? Since I've rejected him from being king over Israel. Thank God for people who weep for us. You are here today because somebody wept for you, my brother and my sister. And if you've forgotten that, I want to remind you, somebody wept for you. Somebody wept for me. And never forget that. Never forget that the tears started in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there have been tears that have been sown these thousands of years so that people will be brought out of darkness into the marvelous light and life of God. Your salvation is not cheap. It's free, but it's not cheap. It's priceless. How long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king of Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I've provided for myself a king among his sons. You see, King David feared. King David feared. He really feared God. We should fear God. You see, David knew that his failures were not different from Saul's. Which is a different kind. But he had sinned. But David also knew that the difference was not that one failed and the other did. It was that one lost God's favor, the other didn't. I want to tell you something that will fill you with hope. You ready? Your sin, if you choose to, cannot disqualify you from the favor of God. I'll say it again. Your sin, my sin, cannot disqualify us from the favor of God. If. Can everybody shout out an if? It was not a shout. Everyone together. Just one, two, three. I'm not seeing. If. The big if. The big if. If. If what? You see, in 1 Samuel 18, 12, 14, you know there are times in my life, I'm not sure if this is the time, (laughs) but there have been times in my life, man, I'm cruising in God. Reminds me of Matt Redman's song. Blessed be your name, sun is shining down on me, world's all as Blessed be your name. Come on. When the land is flint-built, plentiful. You're the man. If people don't get to meet you, they at least want to smell you. You reek with the anointing. That's your greatest test. One afternoon, I sat with some of the senior-most pastors in the city was a terrifying afternoon. As pastor after pastor shared experiences from their lives, 
that their greatest vulnerability to sin was when they were most successful. For when you smell of the anointing and the demons tremble and people long for you, there's a whisper that comes from the darkest place. You're special. Untouchable. There's no one like you. And if you listen to that voice, you're doomed. David knew something that Paul, that Saul, I'm sorry, Saul didn't know. First Samuel 18, 12, 14. Let's read that. Come on. Thank you. Saul was afraid of David. <laughs> Be careful when that happens in your life. Don't you look down on your Saul. Because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. This is dangerous. I get scared of this. Why? Because you are both those kings in the same frame with the same Lord who chose both of them, anointed both of them, blessed both of them, called both of them, anointed them with the same prophet. But two different destinies are just unfolding in this verse. If, some, if anybody in this room is saying, I'm getting scared, Shannon. Good. That's the purpose. You should. Theologians say that probably for a year, David tossed in his bed. And looked down in shame, probably when he saw Bathsheba around him. Tormented by the thought of what he did to his best friend and confidant, Uriah. And he writes in the Psalms, my bones went dry and my vitality was turned like the drought of summer. Till I acknowledged my sin. Verse 13, thank you. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. The next verse is important. The next verse is important because David, this is the, this is the defining mark about David. And David had success in all his undertakings for the Lord was with him. You see, David always knew that every success that he had was not about him or was not because of him. It was because of the Lord. My brother and sister, is there a voice that you're listening to in the corner of your head that makes you think, I'm special, there's something about me. I want to tell you this morning, there's nothing about you. You may say, Shannon, you're contradicting yourself. You've told us so many times you're made in the image of God. Yes, you are made in the image of God. I'm made in the image of God. You are precious to God. Because he chose to. You and I have worth because worth has been given by this Lord. And he gives worth and, and David feared. Because he saw before his eyes a king that he deeply loved. A king that he deeply honored and respected fall into pieces before him because that king forgot that I am what I am and I have what I have, not because of who I am, but because of this God who chose me. Never forget, my brothers and sisters, that we stand by his grace. You earn by his grace. You win victories by His grace. You have a voice and a passion because of His grace. You dream dreams because of His grace. You have what you have because of His grace. Never forget His grace. It takes a moment. 
saw a video recently. I believe it was of a pastor. And he lived in one of these beautiful islands. I think it was Hawaii. It's just beautiful islands with his wife. And he speaks about just this beautiful stroll that he goes for in the previous day. And just enjoying himself with his wife. They went to a part of the island that they had not really visited before. And just enjoying beautiful family, beautiful house, just blessed by God. And uh, just made the most of that day. So grateful to God. He goes back to bed. He goes into bed with such gratefulness and thankfulness in his heart. At three in the morning, he's woken up by loud bangs. And as he, as he opens the door, just screaming and yelling because the house just next to his house is blazing in fire. And within five minutes, his entire house was on fire. He and his wife just managed to get out in the nick of time. Takes a moment. A moment. Don't be cool where you are, man. Don't be cool. Takes a moment to change things. And I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, to remind yourself, Mr. Shannon, what are you hitting bottom rock? For the Lord was with him. We have what we have because the Lord is with us. And if he just steps back or steps aside two steps, we collapse. 1 Samuel 15, 11. I'm in the point that says King David repented and followed God. King Saul turned and never came back. This verse makes it crystal clear. Like I said, my sin and your sin cannot take away the favor of God. No. God is not moody. God is not impulsive. God is not saying, you sin, I don't want you. Get out. No, God's not. His anger is but for a moment. But his favor is for life. He's a good father. He loves you. He desires you to be blessed. When you fall down, he wants to pick you up. Don't clasp your hand and pull it away. And this verse makes it crystal clear why two destinies unfolded. Now this is what God himself, God himself is saying this. It's not me. God himself is saying this. I regret that I have made Saul king. Was God exaggerating? No. For he has turned my turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. Years ago, um, I was given an advice by a friend that I found really, mm, you know, uh, and he, he told me this. He said, Shannon, when you sin, worship God. You're crazy. He said, yes. When you sin, worship God. And your heart will repent. When you sin, worship Don't run away. Run to him. That was the difference between King Saul and King David. They both sinned. But when sin was confronted, King David chose to run to God. King Saul chose to turn his back towards God and walk away. I want to ask you, my brothers and sisters, an open-ended question. Was the same mercy that was available for King David available to King Saul? Come on, yes? 
was the same God who poured out grace on King David. Would he be willing to pour out the same grace on King Saul? What was the difference? One chose to take it. Other chose to walk away. Thank you, Lord. And it reminds me of Psalm 51 verse 3. Don't turn to it because we've looked at it earlier. Don't turn to it. We'll go to the third and the last. David says this in Psalm 51 verse 3. He says, for I know my transgressions. And my sin. <laughs> I wasn't exaggerating when, he was, when I was saying this. My sin is ever before me. What do you think was going through his heart and mind every time he would walk in the palace? And who is he seeing? Bathsheba. Choked up with guilt. Choked up. Unable to talk to God. Choked up. Breaking on the inside. His harp has been lying untouched for months. Dusty. He's probably not picked up the scriptures for long. Walks around in the house like a zombie. His advisors and counselors are wondering what's wrong with him. Because they thought he was a hero because he married a widow. He painted it well. But David walked around the house crazy. You know why? He missed the Lord. He missed his presence. And he would write one day in the Psalms, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Years before the shepherd boy, he would write, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And towards the end of the psalm, he would say, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You know why David walked around broken and choked up full of guilt? Not because he was worried what will people think. <laughs> we lose nights Worrying what people think about us. And we take not a moment to think, what is God feeling right now? But David was wrecked. His heart had become as thin as paper. It just needed Nathan to just make one prick. You're the man. Says our sin. And Nathan was quick to pass on the smack of the loving kindness of the Father. You know what loving kindness is? Hesed. The fresh love of the Father. So every time you confess your sin, the Father kisses you with fresh love. David laid himself bare before God, repented, turned away from sin, turned to God, walked ahead. And in the book of Acts, it's not recorded in the Old Testament, in the book of Acts, it is recorded about King David, tucked away in a little corner as Stephen is narrating to the Pharisees just before they're about to stone Stephen. Stephen. Stephen declares about David, he says, And David fulfilled the purpose of God and slept with the fathers. 
Your failures cannot stop you from fulfilling God's purpose for your life, my brother, my sister. You don't have to turn away in guilt and shame. You don't have to drown in sorrow. Turn back to God and he will blot out your transgressions. His anger is up for a moment. His favor is for life. Take advantage of his favor. The last thing. Now this is deadly. This is deadly for this generation. Deadly. Because increasingly, you and I, efforts have been made to wire us to popularity, to popular opinion. How many of us would lose sleep tonight if you know that somebody has just bad-mouthed you? If somebody has just spoken wrong about you? A group of people gossiped about you. Whatever. What do you think? <laughs> you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. It doesn't matter. If. Hear this point. King David worshipped God. Can you say an amen to that? King Saul worshipped people. Say nice things about me, please. Say nice things about me, please. Say nice things about me, please. Don't get upset with me, please. Like me, like me, please. Like me, like me, please. Please say good things about me, please. When I post my pic on Facebook, give me all the likes you can, please. Please, like me, please. Please, please, please. I dress for you. I smell good for you. I do everything for you. I'm your king. Who you worship is who you'll fear. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Didn't know that? Saul got lost in all the power and stopped following God. He forgot that the main thing, he forgot what the main thing is and started idolizing the lesser things. He forsook the giver, started worshipping the gifts. King Saul was democratic. King David was theocratic. King Saul wanted the votes. We all understand that. King David just needed one vote. He needed one thumbs up. And that's why you will see in his life that when King David was faced with an opposition, he didn't freak out. He said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Even if an army would encamp around me, even in this I would be confident. Come on. Come on. He said, bring it on, man. My God is with me. And if these guys around me chicken out, my God will stand for me. For the Lord is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold in the times of trouble. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from all. all. Not well-wishers. I don't need connections. I need God to give me a thumbs up. I need God to endorse. I'm with you, son. And if I am with you, no one can do anything. But Saul would freak out if, the, if he didn't get that endorsement from people. So look at what he says to, to the prophet Samuel when he's confronted. 1524. 1 Samuel 1524. Confession with justification. Confession with, with justification. 
Confession with justification. Deadly. <laughs> Initially, you think he's got it. Then as he completes the statement, you realize he hasn't got it. Let's read it from there. What is he saying? I have sinned against. For I have sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. And this is after Samuel really banged him. And your words. Because, because, say it loud, because, oh, because, because, may God raise such leaders in our church will never fear people, only fear God. Yeah, I say that. And people can really, you know, want to tilt the scales. I remember when we, when we started our new phase in 2011, I had people come to me, this church is doing that, that church is doing this, this. So what? So what if this church is doing that and that church is doing that? I'm glad, I'm grateful. God bless the church. But we're not that church. We're this church. God has a unique plan and destiny for this church, which will be interwoven into all the destinies of the churches in the city. We have a unique strand. We have a unique voice. We have a unique sound of worship. Value that. Don't be democratic. Be theocratic. Think God. Don't think popular. Don't think cool and contemporary. Think God. He says, I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Whom you worship is whom you will fear. Whom you fear is whom you will obey. So much later, three chapters later, this is funny. First Samuel 18.8. It required one song. One song. To just mess up Saul again. One song. <laughs> one song. Saul has killed the thousands. David has killed ten thousands. Saul has killed the thousands. David has killed ten thousands. Saul has killed the thousands. Heard that song before? Saul has killed the... David has killed the ten thousands. What do you think happened to Saul? You know what happened? I know where this fits in your beliefs or theology. But this time, the demons would come. He began to get tormented by demonic spirits. Got worse. One song. Problem is not the song. So tomorrow it can be that somebody may sing about Samir. Somebody may sing about young leaders that we believe to be raised up in this church. I pray that you will be better hundred times than me. See, you're shy and you want to be humble and say, no, nothing. But I'll tell you something. Some of you over here are going to do hundred times better than what we did. You're going to go far ahead. And that's our prayer. I've not yet raised the dead, but you guys will like... <laughs> God will do powerful things to your life. But... But you can't afford, and I can't afford to be like King Saul. We need to be like King David. Saul worshiped people. David worshiped the Lord. Is it wrong to listen to people? No. 
Is it wrong to love people? No. I'm not saying that. But King David loved God above everything else and everyone else in his life. That was clear. So if God said no and everybody said yes, it was no for him. If God said yes and everybody else said no, it was yes for him. Because he knew what was good for him would be good for the people. So here's what I want to close with. One statement that's on the slide. And I'll read one verse and we close. What God desires from us is true brokenness. Where there is no sorrow over sin, there is no genuine repentance. Now, I know there are people who claim that you don't have to confess your sin. You just have to confess who you are in God. Without confessing what we've done wrong, and if you just confess who you are in God, I call it delusion. You know why it's delusion? Because you just did something that was in violation to your identity that you claim. So if I've done something that's violated my identity, I need to acknowledge that and say, that what I did is not becoming of me. I'm a child of God. But through brokenness. Where there is no sorrow over sin, there will be no true repentance. So what I want to ask you, my brothers and sisters today, do you want to be a Saul? Or do you want to be a David? Choice is yours. How we respond to sin will determine our destinies. Not your anointing. Not your call. Not your endorsement from God. Don't hype on that. For both these kings had all of it. What made the only difference in the destiny was how did each respond when they were confronted by their sin. I pray, my brothers and sisters, that we will respond like David did. No justification. There could be reasons. Talk it out to the Lord later. But sin is sin. Reject it. Forsake it. Ask God to root it out of our hearts. David would write this in Psalm 51. Cleanse me thoroughly from my sin and my iniquity. Blot out my transgressions. And I believe that you will choose well. Could you say an amen for yourself? I'm saying again, I believe you will choose well. Could you say an amen for yourself? Amen. Thank you, Father. Close your eyes, please. I want to give you a few moments, precious moments. I want you to really talk to God now. Not tomorrow, my brothers and sisters. Not in the evening. I want you to talk to God now. And get right with Him now. Let there be no part of our life that is unspoken to God.
you sense that you need to even come down on your knees, just feel free to do that. Come to God. Let's respond to Him. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to come and do what only you can do. Speak to every brother and sister of mine here. Speak to me. I need your grace, Lord. We need your grace. We need your mercy, Lord. We need your help. We need your mercy, God. We need your grace, God. Turn away. Don't turn your back. Don't justify. Just come to Him. Great grace awaits you. Great mercy awaits you. Worship you, Father. We turn to you.
believe that this word was for you, I would request everyone to just close your eyes. Just everyone, please. I just want this moment to be with the Lord. If you believe this word was for you, it means you. Because it's for me. request you to walk up in the front. Just walk up in the front. And even if this message was, was just for one person, it was worth it. Just one person, just worth it. I want to I request every eye to be closed so that it's just this honor, just this atmosphere of honor and love and grace in this place. I'm just going to invite you to come in the front. I'm going to request you to turn your heart. Just turn to the Lord. Don't try to hold yourself. I believe the Lord is saying, let me hold you. Because you cannot hold yourself. But when I hold you, I will never let you down. I'll never let you down. I'll never let you down. Lord, break my heart with what breaks yours. Break my heart with what breaks I turn away from my sin, God. I turn away from everything that displeases you in my heart, in my life. I reject it. I throw it out, Lord. Like those filthy rags that Bartimaeus threw aside. And he ran to you, Lord. I run to you. Jesus, son of David, 
have mercy on me. For great is your love and your goodness and your compassion, your anger is but for a moment, but your favor is for life. Turn to him, my brothers and sisters. And if you're ready to make that step towards the Lord and turn away from sin, and turn away from everything that is not of God, And I want to request those of you who have come here in the front and even the ones who are behind, I want you to take two steps forward signifying that you are turning away from everything that is not of God and you're turning to the Lord completely. I want you to take two steps. One, two, towards the Lord. us to just surely express your emotions but just be a little sensitive to those around turn to him beloved Lord I pray that you would give us a holy hatred for sin because pure and holy is your love for us and pure and holy ought to be our love for you so give us give me give my brothers and sisters a perfect holy hatred for sin for everything that displeases you for the sin that we were trapped in one thing in my life one thing only one thing it's you Lord no one else one thing maybe your friends have done it doesn't matter. 
it doesn't make it okay. Maybe it's popular in the world, doesn't make it okay. Maybe your best friend said it's okay, that doesn't make it okay. If God's not okay with it, it's not okay. Turn to him, my brothers and sisters, turn to him. Great grace is in this place. Great grace and mercy is from the Father to you. You are greatly loved. You are immensely loved. For he is loved. Father, I pray right now, pour out your grace. Pour out your mercy, Lord. Pour out your anointing. Pour out your spirit upon every brother and sister of mine. Just pour out your anointing, God. Oh, Lord, let the anointing break every yoke. As people are standing here, God, with your hearts and hands lifted up to you. I right now pray that every bondage of sin be broken now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every kind of addiction and every kind of bondage that people have been feeling in their minds be broken now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon every brother here, upon every sister here. I pray for the power of God to touch them now, right now, right now, Lord. I pray that hardness of heart would be broken, that hardness of heart would be broken can soften our hearts with the oil of your love, the oil of your love, the oil of your presence, God. I pray, oh God, break through, break through, God, into our hearts, into our lives by the power of your Spirit. If you're okay for one last time, would you just lift your hands and surrender and surrender your life to Him? Just surrender your life to Him. Surrender your life to him completely. Say, Jesus, from now onwards, no one will sit on the throne of my heart. Not my friend, not my parents, not myself, not my career, not money. I throw all those things out, God, which are not of you, out of my life, not to sin. Only you will sit on the throne of my heart. Tell Jesus, only you, only you.
you look up, please, for a minute. Please. You know, I want to I wanna appreciate all of you. All of you. Everyone who stepped up here in the front. Every one of you, I honor you. Because you did what David did. I honor you. And God's hand is on your life. I'm not saying it's not on the ones who are behind. Don't get me wrong. I'm sorry. I didn't imply that. God's hand is on your life. But it took courage to come here and walk up in the front. And I believe great grace is upon every one of us. Maybe you didn't walk up in the front, but you, in your heart, you walk towards the Lord. Great grace is upon you. Great mercy is upon you. For His anger is but for a moment. But His favor is for life. Be blessed. Turn away from sin. Walk away from it. There are things that have to be thrown out, throw it out of your heart, around your life. Clean up your environment. And be in the environment where you grow and flourish in God. The Lord bless you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. The Lord give you shalom from now forevermore. Be blessed. Go back. God bless you.